0: world. This is Aria D. Gaia, your story weaver and host, welcoming you back for our fifth episode. As I mentioned last time, this will be the last free episode of my podcast. If you have enjoyed what you've heard so far, Please feel free to join my Patreon, where you will have full access to all future episodes. This evening, I shall be reading to you Chapter 4, The Next Day, picking up where we left off last time. So, please, grab yourself a drink, a little bit of a snack... Curl up with your favorite blankie, and enjoy! The Vanilla Chapter 4, The Next Day Morning comes with the usual muffled echo of the cockle. This native bird is very similar to a rooster only it is twice as big, has two pairs of wings, and the Hananskin norm of three eyes and a split lower beak or jaw. Its skin is tougher too, with a hide more like leather than the chicken skin our people were once used to. Since its hide is tougher, we are able to tan it and use the somewhat translucent leather to make things like water bags or knapsacks. The cockle is also rather unintelligent, easy to tame, and makes a crowing sound as soon as the sun's first light is seen on the horizon. It also makes for good eating. I yawn and drowsily look about my dark room as I sit up in my bed. A very pale stream of purple light shines fitfully through the cracks in the floorboards above my head. The memory of the day before seems more like a vivid dream than a past reality. The only proof I have that it had even happened at all? The state of my kimono. There is dirt smudged all over it. Ah,そんな! I gasp in horror as the smudges become more and more apparent in the strengthening light. is going to kill me! How am I to explain this? I whimper while trying to think of some kind of explanation. I throw off my kimono, then try my best to shake and rub it out of the fabric. Much of it is only held lightly, thank goodness. But there is some that is ground in deep thanks to my knees. There is nothing for it. Try as I might, the last simply refuses to come out and I've no water on hand with which to watch it. Thus, I decide to simply beg Mother for forgiveness. I'll say I've been praying on my knees for days for her safe recovery. She'll believe that. She'll still be upset, but that will at least calm her down a bit. It's partly true. I had prayed, only not in the dirt. That particular detail, I now feel is unnecessary for her to know, given the light of my current predicament. Plus, I have no guarantee that mother will even bother to check on me today. She has not come to feed me for the past four days since she introduced me to my baby brother, so there is no real knowing if she will visit me today anyway. I hope she will, though, Whether she gets angry with me over the state of my kimono or not, I'm running low on food. I only have enough left now for a single good meal. I'm starting to get really hungry. In a flash, the memory of the day before and the vivid view of the garden outside comes to my mind. Unbidden, an idea pops into my thoughts. Mother's garden is just beyond the opening of the tunnel. If she does not come to visit me today, I can easily sneak out to snatch a fresh bite to eat. Not only that, I distinctly remember the scent of Ichigo right outside the exit. I adore Ichigo! Strawberries. Solar home's most juicy and delicious fruit. Many of my people are beholden to the fact that the plants were able to adapt and grow in Hananskan soil. Although, I must admit, the different light frequency here has caused some changes to the plant. Its leaves are now darker to better absorb the predominant infrared light. Its growth has also slowed, having adapted to our longer seasons. The best bit? the Ichigo themselves grow much larger than their ancestors' berries did, a fact that almost every Kitsutora takes full advantage of. Add the mineral and metal-rich soils of Toshigi Valley to the mix, presto! Richer, sweeter berries. No Kitsutora has nor ever will complain. Just. Thinking about them makes me drool. That settles it. If mother does not come today to give me food, I will sneak out tonight to the garden and grab myself a few fresh ichigo. Maybe even a tomato or two. (laughs) Both fruits are quite tasty in my opinion. The only thing is, I will have to eat them, then cleanse my hands and face meticulously before returning to my room. Mother has a very keen sense of smell. If I return with the smell of ichigo and tomato on my fur or breath, she will know in an instant that I have somehow left my chamber. This is something I must prevent no matter what. But how will I cleanse my palate? I sit pondering about this for some time. All of a sudden, I hear the familiar sound of mother's footsteps approaching the closet door above my little hidden room. Shoving all thoughts of the outdoors and fresh fruits out of my mind, I politely kneel in my customary position in the center of my bed. Moments later, the door above is opened, and the floorboards covering my room are removed. Oh, hi, little one. "'How are you this morning?' Mother says in a kind tone, to which I respond. "'I am well, Okasama. Thank you. And how are you? "'Do you feel stronger now that you have rested? "'I have been worried.' Mother looks down on me with a soft smile as she replies. "'Such a thoughtful daughter I have. "'Yes, I am feeling much recovered. "'Thank you for your concern.' "'How is your food supply, my little one?' I reached for the all-but-empty bag and hold it open for her to see inside. "'I have just enough for one small meal, but then I will be without food.' "'I see. Well, that is good. You did well rationing what I gave you. I feared you had eaten it all by now and may have gone a day without eating anything.' "'Thank you, Akasama.' Your praise means much to me. I did not wish for you to worry over me since you now have little Toru to care for. I did my best to ration what food you provided. Our conversations have always been such. Very polite and full of formality, decorum, and deep respect. If I ever fail to show her such thoughtful regard, Mother sees fit to punish me sharply. That is something I quickly learned I do not like. Now, I avoid it as much as possible. Okasama, I beg forgiveness, but I seem to have gotten my kimono a bit dirty as I knelt praying for your good health and safe recovery these past few days. Would it be possible for me to have a small pail of warm water with which to wash it in? Dirty?! How on this good moon did you manage to get your kimono dirty? Instant dogeza. Praying mother's mood is a forgiving one, I respond. Komenasai, Okasama. I forgot to kneel upon my bed and instead knelt in the dirt. Many times for several long hours over the past few days, I have prayed for your safe recovery. I am truly sorry. I will clean the dirt out myself. You needn't worry nor tax yourself. I just need a small amount of water and maybe a bit of soap as well in order to do so. Please, O Kazuma, I truly am so very sorry. It won't happen again. What do you expect, woman? I live in a hole in the ground. Ah! Rebellious thought goes squeesh. Slowly, Mother relaxes then lets out a small sigh. (sighs) Very well, she relents. I guess your request is not all that trying. Plus, knowing that your kimono only became dirty because you were praying for my safe recovery makes me feel that I should not be so angry with you. Just make sure to be more mindful of such things in the future. Relieved. I rise and nod. Arigatou gozaimasu, okasama. I promise to be more mindful in the future. Ugh, the links I have to go through. Insufferable woman. Squish. With a nod of satisfaction, mother holds out her hand and says, Empty your rations and then hand me the bag. I shall refill it and cook you a fresh meal as well while I heat some water for your laundry. I do as requested, thanking her again for her kindness as I hand her the bag, then bow once more. Mother takes the empty bag, then places the floorboards back into their notches, leaving me in relative darkness as usual. Breathing a heavy sigh of relief, I begin eating the remainder of my rations in quiet contemplation. Mulling over the rather complicated relationship with my mother, I reflect with a snort that is more like that of a serving girl or slave to her master, not of a mother and her daughter. Shrugging, I push the thought aside and attend to the flavor of my meal. It's a little musty from being in a bag down in a dirty hole for a while, but otherwise, it isn't that bad. The nuts are the best, most wholesome part. Their husks prevented any dampness or dirt taste from creeping into their flesh. After nibbling up the final nut, I slowly turn and curl up under my covers, pulling out my archive. I wish to continue reading through my grandmother's logs. Much of the archive's information pertains to our people's history, language, culture, and scientific knowledge. Almost none of it involves information about the outside world. Grandmother's logs are the only exception. Having been a biologist, Her logs are full of exploratory knowledge on the local flora and fauna which thrive here. Through her words, I catch glimpses of the outside world and all that it has to offer. I not only learn a little about the outside world, but also learn a bit of my own family's recent history since our people's arrival. The logs themselves are buried deep within the archive's database, but after having held it for several years now, I've had every chance to dig deep into it. There is so much information within the ancient device's crystal memory core, my intellect is developing post-haste. I may only be nine years old by colony reckoning but I am already reading and writing at a 15 or 16 year old's level. By solar home standards, that's nearly college level. Each and every day, I am adding several new words to my vocabulary. The archives dictionary lookup feature has been very handy and much used over the years. Once every few months, I am forced to relinquish the archive to my mother for a day or two in order for its solar capacitor to sit out and charge the device's unfailing rechargeable batteries. But I can live with this. It's probably mother's second greatest gift ever given to me. The first being my very life. Picking up where I left off in grandmother's logs, I'm soon absorbed in the story she wrote down. An hour passes by in the matter of moments, and Mother returns with all the things she promised. There is warm water in a pail for my washing, a full bag of dried food rations, and a freshly cooked meal of cockle, veggies, and ski kai the last being a personal favorite of mine. Ski Kaike are a Henanskan native root similar to the purple sweet potato of solar home. Only they are much darker and richer in nutrients. Mother doesn't really care for them, but she knows that my father and I like them. Thus, she makes them for us often as they grow large, quickly, and easily out in the garden. This allows her to stretch our rice reserves while still giving us something we enjoy that is filling and healthy. Mashed ski kaike with nuts and spice? Arigatou, Kazama! I really appreciate this gift. I don't feel I deserve it. I gasp in recognition of her thoughtfulness. She simply smiles and replies, Well, you were good and patient throughout these past few weeks and days as I gave birth to your brother and took time to recover my strength, so I felt you deserved a little something sweet. Tears well up in my eyes as I look upon her with joy. I shall savor them slowly, Okazama. But first, I should wash my kimono while the water is still warm. I set the food down on top of a small wooden crate Mother has given me for use as a table, then carefully remove my kimono. Mother just clicks her tongue at me, then holds out her hand. Hand it to me. I will wash it while you eat your food. A meal is best savored while it is still hot, little one. She admonishes me, but in a gentle sort of way. Grateful for her kindness, I hand her my kimono with my thanks. Then I tuck into my first warm meal in weeks. It is so juicy and delicious, I cannot help but make joyful sounds as I savor each bite while swaying back and forth with absent-minded joy. Mother smiles warmly as she washes my kimono in a tub up on her bedroom floor, just outside of the closet door. She always likes to hear me appreciating her efforts in cooking. Father isn't always so forthcoming with such thoughts and compliments. Knowledge I use to my advantage. The joyful moment is short-lived, however. Just as I finish my plate, a small voice begins to whimper and cry. Toru has awoken from his nap and is now hungry for some of mother's milk. I pass mother my now empty plate. Then I take the hanger that she has hung my kimono on to dry, thanking her for everything as I do so. Afterwards, she places the floorboards back over my room. I hear her footsteps echo as she walks away towards my baby brother's crib in her room above. I then hang the still damp kimono from a small hook embedded in the bottom of one of the floorboards. Finally full and feeling like a glowing spark of joy and light, I curl up on my bed, snuggle once more into my blankets and drift off to sleep with a smile. Mother's muffled voice lilts to little Toru as she feeds him. What a wonderful morning. Hours later, father's voice announces his return home, waking me from my nap with a yawn. I can vaguely hear mother greet him near what I figure to be the front door and guess little Toru is in hand. How's my beautiful baby boy, eh? Come here, you. Father's voice purrs. Toru giggles and squeals. I can imagine father lifting my little brother up as mother murmurs. Be careful, dear. Don't drop him. Father laughs. You need not fear, my love. I would never drop him. I giggle imagining what it might be like to be standing in the room to witness the scene. Then tears well up into my eyes. As much as I love my family, it hurts terribly that I am not allowed to be a part of it as a normal child would be. Sure, I get to spend some precious moments with my mother. I even got to meet my little brother once. But otherwise... It is as if I don't even exist. Tears begin flowing down my cheeks, big fat droplets raining down in torrents. I curl myself up into a tighter ball upon my bed, trying my best not to let the darkness fill my head. I want so much to be part of my family, to be held in my parents' arms to speak with them during meals. Not for the first nor last, I curse my albinism. I hate being what I am. Who I am as a person is good and lovely, but what I am causes me great misery. Albinos will never be accepted by our society. My very existence is seen as a curse A great monstrosity. They call albinos shiro-oni, white demons. Knowing this causes me much grief. Though I know mother loves me, she has never once given me a name. She simply refers to me as little one. This fact makes me feel even emptier. I know I will spend the entirety of my life nameless, hidden down in this hole beneath Mother's closet. The pain of this has plagued me for some time now. Just as the pain begins to peak, I remember something. I now have access to the outside world right beside me. Sniffling and wiping away my tears, I look up at the broad, flat stone that now conceals my tunnel to freedom behind it. Never again will I allow myself to wallow in self-pity. If I yearn for freedom, it stands right before me. I need only remove the stone door that stands between it and me. That night, I will finally taste what it means to be free. And that is it for this evening! A little bit longer episode than my previous ones. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, please note this is the final free episode offered as a preview for my podcast and future audiobooks. If you are interested in continuing to listen, uh, please feel free to visit my Patreon. I have several different tiers you can join at. I recommend for the first book, The Lowest Tier. $3 a month. There's really not much difference between my vanilla and cinnamon versions with the first book. All of one scene, to be absolutely honest. So maybe save the uh, $5 cinnamon tier for when my second book is published, which I'm hoping tentatively to have ready by Christmas possibly it's pretty much finished. I'm just in the final editing stages. so please look forward to my second book, The Therantthello. Anyway, I hope you like my story. If you're interested and wish to purchase the book, it's available on Amazon in ebook and paperback. The cover art is done by me, and uh, thank you very much in advance for your love and support. I look forward to seeing you on Patreon. Take care, Ladangu. Live your dreams and never give up. Gaia, out.